1: So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit gocoastguard.com to learn more. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress, Channel 127. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. We are so glad you are with us this evening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to everyone listening live. Our evil army of the night gets to be a part of the show. So, yes, tonight we'll be produced by the great Chris Household, Uh also produced by the great Thea Harper. Chris is in South Carolina. Thea is in Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. And again, thank you to everyone listening live, our evil army of the night. We are coast to coast, live and interactive in all 50 states, including Canada. And uh, this is just like cable news, except we listen to you. Give us a call all night. We have a lot of ground to cover. Oh, my God, guys, a lot happened today. Phoenix at... 110 degrees for the 19th straight day. God help us all. We have got a great one tonight. Just our friends. No big surprises. No authors. You know, No celebs. It's going to be Bob Seska. Nothing but open phones and your calls and hour number two because there's just too much damn news we have to keep track of. We're going to be playing one show this year. One live show for uh, Stephanie Miller and the Sexy Liberal Tour. That's going to be in Los Angeles at the Saban Theater in Beverly Hills on October 21st. I know it's a long way off, but it's starting to sell out. Out. So try to get tickets if you're going to be around the West Coast at all. Maybe we'll have a lot of dates after that. We can announce very soon. I'm so glad you're with us. It's going to be a great one. Lots of ground to cover. Uh, let's uh, yeah, let's 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 do a show. Where do we begin? The news that we've had to take in today: uh, the, a U.S. district judge has now formally held, in a very lengthy uh, opinion, that it is accurate and appropriate. To call the former president, Donald Trump, a rapist. Yeah, the judge said we can do that now. Speaking of rapist, and again, I don't want Donald Trump's status as a rapist to in any way diminish his status as a racist. I think we can do both those things at the same time. Brothers and sisters, we can mentally walk and chew gum like that. Uh, He's now amplifying on his shitty uh, site, Filth Social, uh, messages from the guy who calls himself Cat Turd. He's retweeting cat turd on truth. I mean, can you hear Lincoln screaming from his crypt? That's what the Republican Party turned into. Wesleyan University announced today something that I hope you're going to see a domino effect for. They're going to end legacy admissions. The practice that, you know, lets relatives of alumni and uh, donors get in the school, whether they're qualified or not. This could be huge. I'd love to see this become an extinct species. Also, new government data we'll talk about shows... Illegal border crossings have actually plummeted to the lowest levels in more than a couple of years. The latest good news for this White House on a very tough issue, your conservative loved ones and coworkers will never ever ever know this fact because they watch Fox News. But you know what? They also won't know about the city economic surprise index, which is this sort of little snapshot about how the economy is doing against the expectations. Right now, it just hit its highest level in 2 years cuz last week's reports on Inflation being down, price increases have slowed, import prices have fallen, and lower-than-expected claims for jobless benefits sent the economic surprise index to the highest level in two years. A year ago, what was happening? We were heard there's going to be a slowdown. They're raising the interest rates because we're going to have a recession. Uh, Economists ratcheted up the recession predictions. Now, they're starting to back off those calls. Remember how dire it was, the gas prices, the supply issues, the diapers? You don't hear about that anymore. Immigration down to the lowest level in a couple of years. Undocumented immigration. You're still going to hear about that. But that's not what we're going to talk about right now. If you're listening on demand on the app and on the John Fugelsang podcast, hello to our day walkers. We we salute you. Uh, You guys can always email. We love to hear from you. Now, let's talk about Jason Aldean. Last night. Chris and I were talking before the show with Thea and Chris is like talking about Jason Aldean and you want to cover this you want to talk about the video CMT just banned it and I thought oh let's let's wait there was a lot going on yesterday and I wanted to actually get to watch the video because this might shock y'all I don't spend a lot of time uh, watching Jason Aldean product I, I know I know I should get beyond the fact that. He's an incredible transphobe. I mean, his wife as well. His own PR people fired him because he and his wife are so goddamn bigoted towards trans people. Uh, I should get past the fact that he went out in blackface as Lil Wayne for Halloween. No, not in the 20th century. In 2015, Um, I'll get beyond all that. He released this song. I'm sure you've heard about it by now called Try That in a Small Town, (laughs) which if you think about it, it could be a veiled threat or it could be just a. Really homoerotic Fantasia, but try that in a small town. If you haven't heard the song, we're not going to play it, but uh, he, you can play it if you want, Chris. I, I You know, he spends about three minutes in the song making threats to various people who protest anything that Jason Aldean doesn't think they should protest. Variety has called this. The most contemptible country song of the decade. I, that makes me like it more. I, I'm actually a bit sad it's not as horrible as our liberal friends make it sound. It, don't don't get me wrong. It's horrible. And Jason Aldean, you know, he's, 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 he's what they call a tool. Although that's a bit of an insult to the garden weasel. He's been against the vaccines. He's shitty to transgender children, hates Democrats. And again, I, I get it. You know, he told his audience, you're not allowed to wear masks at my show. And he puts his kids in these youth-weary cells called Hidin' from Biden. You know, and that's fine. That's his politics. He's a shitty douchebag, whatever. See, but the song, this song that's caused so much controversy, and worse than that, it's given the right wing a chance to do their favorite thing, play victim the whole song try that in a small town it's all about how these little small towns are under intense existential threat of attack from lawless urban people who are coming down here to spit on our cops and beat up our grandmas and protest institutionalized racism and so we have to keep them out of our small town, by any means necessary. Namely, let's get some guns and be fucking douchebag vigilantes. That's that's the song. Now, Jason Aldean's allowed to release anything he wants to release. God bless. Uh, he's the guy who was on stage during the mass shooting at the Las Vegas concert in 2017 that killed 60 souls that wounded over 400 more. They call that the the worst mass shooting in American history. Uh, it's not. Uh, a lot of papers were saying that in the last week over. How can Jason Aldean be pa- be there for the worst mass shooting in American history and then do this? So- well, no, it, media, it's it's the worst mass shooting of white folks in American history. OK, uh, l- go Google wounded knee. You'll know what I'm talking about. So So the guy who was there when 500 people got shot at his concert just put out a song about how he and his friends will shoot you if you try to take their guns. And again, as we have to say all the time on this program, Skeeter, no one's coming for your guns. So, the track is not just a statement of his personal politics. It it really is a a call to arms for rural folk who don't like things they don't understand. It had four songwriters. Jason Aldean didn't actually write it. It's a good month for country guys who have hits with songs they didn't write, isn't it? Tracy Chapman told me that. Uh, Lyrics. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk carjack an old lady at a red light pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store you think it's cool I mean, fuck yeah it sounds just like williamsburg to me um uh, got a gun that my granddad gave me they say one day they're gonna round up <laughs> that shit may fly in the city good luck trying that in a small town i, I have questions Wh- who's the they that's coming to confiscate all the shotguns in the deep south i, I hear this a lot uh, I-, I never hear who's doing it I mean, again, you know, I, he could have called the song, I'm mean, I'm ignorant, I'm doughy, I'm heavily armed, and I'm terrified of swarthy straw men. It's not a great song. It is xenophobic, small dick energy, fear of urban folk from down-home, small-town, noble, small-town hick, Jason Aldean, the neckbeard cowboy. He's so small-town. He, he lives in Nashville. It's tiny, tiny. Now, the, the lyrics, again, you know, he, he seems to be taking issue with the protesters after the killing by police of George Floyd. He sings about people who cuss out a cop or stamp on the flag and light it up. They're going to face retaliation from the good old boys because they were raised upright in the South. The dog whistles get really loud with this line. The, the, the got a gun my granddad gave me. They say they're going to round up that shit might fly in the city. Good luck. I, I, again, it's one thing to not be Springsteen, but... Finally, for the first time in my life, I have occasion to say, dude, you're not even Mellencamp. I, I, mean, I mean, again, he, he's singing about people. He's singing about killing people who don't respect police. <laughs> imagine, a, imagine a rock song about how small town folks should stay the hell out of the city or we'll kill you with your small town ways. Imagine right wing people would justifiably be mortified. <laughs> But here's the deal. The song's been out for a couple of months. It's it's not that bad. it it's just sounds like a bunch of really micropenist guys with their, you know, with their gun fetish trying really hard to be it's flirting with men is what it is. It's softcore porn for right wing men, the whole song. And it's fine. It's harmless. It's. What did Tom Petty say Mo- most of modern country music was? Just a bad rock band with a fiddle? You get it. But see, here's the deal. Jason released the music video this week. And that's what's causing all the kerfuffle. The video is him and the band performing in front of a small town courthouse. It's at night. It's very well lit. They're all wearing like real metrosexual black leather. Right, Chris? How did you describe it? You said they were like they a lot of divorced dad energy going on with the band and this uh, thing. They're, they're doing this song in yeah, front of this. Yeah. What is it? I said I said that they were very um, there's there's
2: like tough-looking leather that there's leather that you can tell is too soft yeah. they're wearing very soft leather very expensive soft leather divorce dad um, f- Eternal five o'clock shadow leather
1: yeah I divorced mean, dad you're right the, the 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 expensive leather and she's got the kid for the weekend So I'm gonna buy my Matus and go down. The, I got it. Yeah, so the video is a, what's a bit interesting about it is it's the footage that's flashed on the walls of this white small town colonial courthouse that the band's playing in front of in the music video. You can pause me and go look at it and come right back. It's, it's you know, these images are projected of unspecified violent protests, actual footage of recent protests. And then there's some closed circuit TV videos of looting that took place in the summer of 2020. Now, the problem with the video when you see it is it's not about being rude to an old lady or it's not about bringing your evil city ways to a small town it's about protesters it's about conflating protesters with the violent crime he's singing about in the lyrics the song's about violent criminals the video is about people who protest i mean he's saying leading a march and getting in a cop's face is the same level as rioting or carjacking grandma you know, it, it's a small town warning protesters. See how far you make it down the road. It's uh, it's like the Mississippi burning of shitty country songs. And Rolling Stone just found out that a lot of the clips of protest and police brutality. Are you ready? Some of them are New York. Some of them are Georgia. A lot of them are, of course, the Black Lives Matter protests, which happened after the murder by police of unarmed Minnesota resident George Floyd in 2020. There were 26 million people protesting around the world. The Black Lives Matter protest of 2020 were the largest act of any kind of protest in the history of our species over every continent. Overwhelmingly nonviolent. Was there violence? Absolutely. People who had nothing to do, people who didn't give a rat's ass, showed up at the thing and set things on fire. Yes, that always happens. But what the right wing has done for the last two years, as you well know, is try to conflate the little bits of violence to say that Black Lives Matter is the same as Donald Trump. And the terrorist attack on our capital. So, so, Rolling Stone found out that uh, there's a lot of clips that are actually from Canada. There's a bur- the burning cop car. That's from the 2010 G20 protests in Toronto. There's a bunch of cops in riot gear in the video charging at a group of protesters. I noticed that's that. That's from Montreal in 2012. There's another Montreal clip, uh, and and Rolling Stone found out that they got it from Pond Five, the stock media library. That footage cost seventy dollars. <laughs> but
2: here's the I noticed real thing. that i noticed what, what, that because, you noticed that yeah. well because there's a nightclub called a rivoli that's in there and
1: it's only a, it's a, it's a canadian yeah so but, but here's the deal the video itself was filmed at the maury county courthouse in columbia tennessee you might not be familiar with it it's a beautiful building it's well known to historians because 96 years ago a white lynch mob dragged a young 18 year old black man named henry choate through the streets behind a car. They dragged him behind a car, brought him into the courthouse, took him up to the second story, and lynched him from the second story courthouse window. That's the white building you're watching. Now, 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 okay, okay, all right. So let's assume Jason Aldi never knew that. Let's assume the director of the video never knew that. Let's assume that whoever researched the site, (laughs) whoever their location scout was, didn't know. They, they, they Googled it, I'm sure, and didn't know this is the building where a black man was murdered in front of a crowd. And let's use that wall where the black man was lynched to alternate projected footage of Black Lives Matter protesters being put down. Are you getting a sense more and more by the minute of why this is a little bit problematic? And let's be fair to Jason Aldean and the look, maybe they had a hard time. Maybe they looked for a lot of towns and they couldn't find any town where nobody was lynched. (laughs) That's always a possibility. They might have tried 10 courthouses and realized, well, every fucking town down here lynched somebody over the last 400 years. Let's just do it. But again, again, the music video makes it clear he's not talking about violent crooks or people who are mean to old ladies. He's talking about demonstrators. There's a Fox headline that's projected on the courthouse in the video, and it shows this graphic about Georgia declaring a state of emergency. Scary, right? We need our guns. They're coming here from the cities. We need our guns to kill these people. What that case refers to, because Jason doesn't really provide a lot of context for his footage, including the Canadian stuff. Those were protests in Georgia earlier this year when uh, Manuel Esteban Paez Terran, who was an environmental demonstrator, was shot 57 times by cops. The cops alleged he wounded an officer, but they shot him 57 times. Uh, that's the message. The chaos is in Georgia. It's going to come to your small town soon. It's ridiculous. And conservatives are all over the place. Oh, the umbrage is out. Censorship, censorship, defending Jason Aldean because CMT pulled the video. They aired it a couple of days. days uh, once they saw, hey, this is really all about gun violence and sundown towns and fucking up people who are different from you. Uh mm. But here's the deal, guys. If if you film a video at the site of an infamous lynching, and if you're using your video to equate Black Lives Matter protests with violent crime, you're racist. (laughs) By the way, the video doesn't show any footage of those big city folks going to the White House. In January of 2021, there is no footage of the cops being pummeled. I was going to tell Jason Aldean, I I can find you footage on Pond 5 of cops being beaten. It'll go right well with your lyrics. But no, no. The terrorist attack on our capital featuring all those Confederate flags. That's not the kind of bad neighbor behavior Jason Aldean's upset about. Sheryl Crow said there's nothing small town or American about promoting violence. She called the song lame. She said you should know that better than anyone having survived a mass shooting. But he's a small town guy. By the way, Jason Alding grew up in a city that's a, a city with a population of 160,000. And now he lives in Nashville, which is almost 700,000. So the guy's about as authentic as Kid Rock drinking a And Jason Alding put out a very angry statement, rejecting the interpretation of the song as pro-vigilante or pro-lynching. He said that it's not a pro-lynching song. Those charges are not only meritless, but dangerous. In the past 24 hours, I've been accused of releasing a pro-lynching song, a song that's been out since May, and was subject to the comparison that I was not too pleased with the nationwide BLM protests. Um, okay. Okay. You want to say a thought about the BLM protest? No? Just leave that ambiguous? The right wing is coming to his aid by talking about how this can't be racist, and here's the argument they're using. They're saying there's not a single video clip in this that isn't real news footage. Brian Kilmeade. Yes. A a Nobel laureate like Brian Kilmeade said that on Fox and Friends today. How can it be racist? This is all footage taken from the news. (laughs) It's all footage of Black Lives Matter protesters. There's no footage of Trump supporters beating up cops. Strange, he didn't include any clips of that in his footage. So Marsha Blackburn came out and said, cancel culture is the enemy of freedom of expression. I stand with Jason Aldean. You stand with making threats of violence against people who exercise their First Amendment rights. The song's about shooting people who curse out cops or burn flags. I don't like those uh, those activities. I would never curse out a cop. I would never burn a flag. I think it's a stupid form of protest, but it happens to be deeply, 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 deeply legal. So the very action of Jason Aldean threatening violence against people who do legal acts of protest that Jason Aldean don't like, it shows this whether or not the song is or is or not racist. It's un-American. And again, all this talk about don't come into our small town with your big city ways or we will kill you? Ask Ahmaud Arbery's family how they feel about that. I mean, (laughs) this is where we're at, folks. They pulled it for being too controversial. Ryan Fournier, MAGA-winged monkey, wrote on Twitter, This song represents me and millions of others. CMT pulled a Bud Light and we won't forget. Can you imagine... Are the racists now going to have to boycott country music television? I, holy shit, guys, it's getting too funny. Jeff Charlotte, the author, had a great line. He wrote, I'm a country fan and not okay with this. Jason Aldean is a schmuck, a coward, and a racist. Also a really boring artist. Corporate all the way. By the way, also, can I just say one more thing? (laughs) Then I'll get off this song. It's not really accurate. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in small towns i've spent a lot of my life in small towns there is plenty of folks in small towns who would spit in the cop's face and be rude to your grandma as well that's why i do this little thing where i don't pretend the city's any better than the country i was a lucky american i got to grow up half urban half rural my family was all brooklyn all southern i don't get to hate anybody chris what did you think of the video besides the you know small dick divorced dad energy i i i don't Know that he's trying um, to be pro lynching. I just think it's lame. It's he's pro- so lame. violence and it's gonna be forgotten in a week It's such a
2: uh, pap. He look he's doing something that's very popular and uh, with uh, his audience I guess but I just wish that he'd really taken the idea of a small town and really listed some things that you actually Are hard to do in a small town, you know, <laughs> like uh, try to try to do some banking or go to the post office after four or, can't do that in a small town. Yeah. Or um, uh, try to get your car repaired between Thursday
1: and Tuesday. Oh, yeah, I've had that happen. Oh, I had to spend yeah. a week in Texas once because of that. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Try to find decent Chinese food after midnight. I mean, you can't even they do try, that in L.A. Try, try to go
2: to the doctors and not have everyone know your business because the lady behind <laughs> the desk talks to everybody
1: at the beauty salon. I just, I just, when I was a kid, I thought I was a freak because my, my father's whole family talked like this. And my mama's whole family talk like this. And, like, I just saw how much they hated each other. Like, I'd hear my northern relatives talk about the rednecks, and I'd hear my southern relatives call me a Yankee all the time, which was supposed to be a slur. And it's just like, my God, you know, go ahead and hate other Americans if you want, but then don't go waving the flag, pal, and don't go bragging about your Christianity neither. Let's go uh, to a quick break. When we come back, more of your calls on the great Bob Seska. This is Progress.
3: Ah. <laughs>
6: freaker or wherever you get your podcasts on because you know i love it
1: when you do what is going on with donald trump and sarah huckabee sanders man she still hasn't endorsed him for 2024 yet he asked her personally And a phone call months ago, and she said that it was going to be crazy. She had to wait until after the legislative session ended in Arkansas, and it ended two months ago, and she still hasn't endorsed him. She was his press secretary. He made her. He endorsed her the day she announced for governor. Ooh, it's so awkward for me because I'm total BFFs with both of them. Okay, let's go. Bob Seska is back. You know him. You love him from his great columns from the Stephanie Miller Show and one of the best podcasts combining politics and music you can hear. It's coincidentally called the Bob Seska Show. I think that helped him get the gig. Uh, Please welcome back the smartest man in the game. Bob, good to see you.
4: Yeah, it's a good thing they hired someone named Bob Zeska to host the Bob Zeska show.
1: You're also, I should point out, uh, someone uh, else. (laughs) well, you're also the proud uh, parent, along with our friend Mary Trump, of a Bouncing Baby podcast all about Star Trek, which I think is the coolest thing anyone's done all year.
4: Yeah, Trek politics. Uh, We have a new episode out today. We talked with uh, the great Kirk Acevedo about, uh, yeah, and you know him from literally everything. I mean, he's been all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, Band of Brothers, uh, Twelve Monkeys, uh, and of course, Picard season three. Uh, he played Crin, uh, the Vulcan gangster in uh, Picard season three. And so what we're do- what we're doing with our guests on the show now, because of the strike, I was gonna uh, the SAG strike specifically, is we're talking about the strike. So we talked about the strike with Kirk Acevedo. Rather than talking about Star Trek, because, of course, he can't. And the SAG guidelines are a little bit murky when it comes to the rest of us talking about studio or network projects. So it's kind of a gray area, but we're steering clear at the very least in solidarity
1: with the actors and the writers. That's great. Yeah, we've already had to reckon with that we had a number of actors booked that uh that that now can't i mean pam greer was supposed to be on this week and i haven't talked to pam greer in ages we were all excited for it but i i completely get it it's my union too um Mm -hmm. uh, obviously my deal that that deal doesn't have anything to do with the deal i have here but uh i was going to ask how you're getting around it because we're going to do the show in la for a month and i plan on just asking actor friends to come in and talk about the strike. And if you're willing, uh, talk about stuff you did long ago and craft and yeah. things like that, because they can't promote anything new. Yeah, it's a little awkward because we're doing a show about Star Trek and to
4: not talk about Star Trek on a show about Star Trek is a little bit like the Bob Seska show not being hosted by me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. right. So uh, what, yeah, like I said, like we did with Kirk Acevedo with this week's show that dropped uh, this morning. Uh, we talked about the strike. we're gonna basically do the same next week. We've got Mary McDonald on. she's gonna oh, nice. uh, join us next week. yeah yeah love I, her you know, her for, she, Battlestar Galactica and dances so with many rules. other things yeah it, of course and so we're looking forward to talking with her and um even though she's not specifically related to the general topic of the show which is Star Trek uh she's what we categorize as a famous Star Trek fan. And nice. so we intended to talk with her about what she loves about Star Trek, compare Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica, th- things like that. Right. But with the strike now, it's just going to be a conversation about essentially the strike, and then kind of like hashtag actors' life things, you know, okay, yeah. where we're yeah, talking that's what about we're doing how- too. How are you dealing with it? How How is the, the 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 things that have precipitated the strike, how have those things affected you over the years? What do you think of AI and some of the yeah, other exactly. uh, demands that are being made uh, by the Screen Actors Guild? Which, so by that's the way, i fine with. The,
1: I think that's really great for your show, and we're going to yeah. do that here. I mean, I, I love Fran Drescher. She's done this show a whole bunch of times, and oh, yeah. I just witnessed Girlfriend give one of the greatest <laughs> pro-labor speeches of the 20th century. I yeah. never would it would come from Bobby Fleckman and the, of, of Spinal Tap and the Nanny. But that speech she gave last week, I mean, set that to music and put it out as a single because right now, yeah. actors and writers are leading the organized labor movement in America.
4: Yeah, and uh, give it up for Michelle Hurd as well. Yeah. Speaking of Star yeah. Trek, boy, she's been amazing as well. I mean, the, the videos I've seen of her statements have been outstanding, too. And she I think she's on uh, one of the committees. Uh, i It's slipping my mind with the name of the... As a negotiating committee, maybe is that, that's it? I'm
1: not sure. But regardless, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah she's also been really uh, spectacular in all of this. So, Bob, we have to talk about Jack Smith's target letter that Donald Trump yeah. says he got Sunday. Um, this is about the January 6th attack. We always have to take time to say this is not about the Stormy Daniels campaign finance fraud case. It's not about the Trump organization, which he paid a million dollars. It's not about the Georgia indictments. It's not not about the federal indictments for the documents. This is the january 6th indictments and um apparently uh there's three federal statutes that are mentioned in the target letter conspiracy to commit offense or to defraud the u.s Mm -hmm. deprivation of rights under color of law and tampering with a witness victim or informant what was your first take about this my first take was
4: oh he's he's lying (laughs) you know anything donald trump says. Anything he troths on troth essential, my first reaction is that he's lying about it. There's no reason why we should give him the benefit of the doubt on anything he says. And so I automatically assume that whatever he blurts is a lie until. I'm disproved in that assumption. And in this case, I was disproved in that assumption because there's additional reporting out now confirming, of course, that this target letter existed and these are the charges that were uh, named in them. And one of the interesting things that I noticed, too, because, of course, you see a lot of this on Twitter and social media, people going, oh, well, he's still not going to be indicted just because he's a target doesn't necessarily mean he's indicted. That's not necessarily true. I mean, Mm. when the Justice Department issues a target letter, They define a target as someone who is a putative defendant. So essentially what they're telling Donald Trump is prepare to defend yourself because you're going to be indicted. So the only question that (laughs) the only outstanding question, going back to my podcast, is whether the indictment is handed down tomorrow, 30 seconds after I finish recording my show, which invariably (laughs) happens every time. I don't know what it is. I've got I think the universe is pissed off at me or something, John, because every time I finish my show it's like clockwork 30 seconds later some gigantic breaking news story comes down completely obliterating the timeliness of everything we talked
1: about in the preceding 90 minutes but do you know how you can fix that do you know how you can get around that you record your entire show at night destroying your sleep pattern family life marriage (laughs) relationships and stand-up career just do it five (laughs) nights a week in the evening bob it's it's so convenient trust me
4: Yeah, I mean, I've received all kinds of suggestions about that. Why did you do it in the morning? Why don't you do it at night? doesn't matter. You can't trick the universe. You don't fuck around with the universe because you know what's going to happen <laughs> if I did it at night. If I recorded the show from midnight to 1.30 in the morning, the big breaking news story would come down at 1.30 and 30 seconds in the morning. That's exactly. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, well, so I, I assume we're, we're talking about indictments handed down for January 6th or any second now and i think part of the part of the speed of this has to do with the ticking clock and i imagine that jack smith is hearing that ticking clock uh you know like the alligator in peter pan hearing that getting louder and louder and louder because you know january 20th 2025 is you know rapidly
1: growing larger in the windshield as they say Yes, you're right. Um, I thought, actually, that story yesterday really took away from what I I thought was almost a bigger story, which was the Michigan Attorney General, Dana Nessel, charging 16 Donald Trump fake electors with forgery and other felonies and their whole scheme to overturn the 2020 election. I mean, we keep saying, when are they going to grab him by the posse and go after his flunkies? We keep thinking, you know, cabinet officials or lawyers, but... The fake electors are the core of the con, and this appears to be the first criminal charges against the fake electors who, you know, submitted false certificates as Trump electors and tried to steal democracy away from 81 million voters.
4: Yeah, and I think we're going to see the same coming from Pennsylvania, Arizona, maybe even Georgia as well. Yeah, obviously, Um, it's just such a bizarre place to be in right now in history where we're looking at one of the biggest political criminal cabals in American history. And we've never seen anything like this between the fake electors and the big lie and January 6th and everything that circulates around it, going back to, God, the the first impeachment, which also had to do with Donald Trump trying to rig the election by undermining Joe Biden during the primaries and so on by extorting Zelensky for a Burisma investigation, et cetera. This is vast and immensely important, but we've got half of the political debate to an extent, not even believing that this is real, not even believing that any of it actually happened, much less the documents and all the rest of it. It's yeah, it's It's so strange. Yeah, that this does not have any impact whatsoever on half of the voting population, upward of what, 74 million voters are just like, oh, this is a hoax, obviously. But -hmm. it's not. It's immensely serious. I mean, we're speaking about an existential crisis for democracy in the form of the Republican Party. And I think, objectively
1: speaking, that's what it is. But if I may, uh, we all love right-wing people. We all have conservative people in our family. Mm -hmm. They had a president tell them Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction that was going to kill us all. We went to war. 5,000 soldiers died. Half a million Iraqis. There were no WMDs. They were lied to. They didn't care. Donald Trump spent years claiming the first black president wasn't really one of us. He admitted on September 16th, 2016, that Obama really was here. These people didn't care. They don't mind being lied to if the lie makes them happy. So you're right. We're swimming up current because the only thing more deadly than fascism is apathy. And apathy is fascism's lube. Yeah, yeah. And there's a whole other dynamic on
4: top of that, John, and that is this... Uh, cult that the Republican Party or a significant portion, a significant fraction of the Republican Party has become occupied by an ideological political cult where a percentage of that percentage believes that every single Democrat, you, me and everyone, every Democrat listening to this show right now is literally a demon. I mean, yes. that is and I'm not exaggerating for laughs or anything like that. They believe that we're demons or sh- yes. shifting lizard people. Yeah, I mean, this is actually what these people believe. And my I think about under- that a lot of
1: liberals and I'm a liberal, so I know I get it.
4: <laughs> well, the question is, how does a democracy continue to function when you have this many millions of people who believe absolute gibberish? And who will never be disabused of those notions. I mean, I've been thinking in terms of, well, do we try to individually deprogram them as if, you know, one of our family members or one of our friends has joined a cult and we need to rescue them from the cult? What do we do?
1: That doesn't work. we organize and beat them nonviolence and ridicule and get people to vote. That's it. Because, as you know, um, Trump, the New York Times reported, is planning a huge expansion of presidential power over all Mm -hmm. government if he gets the White House back next year and wants to have much greater authority directly in his hands. I think he wants to come on stage wearing combat fatigues and shoot a drug dealer in the head on camera. I literally (laughs) think that's the kind of government power he wants, but he's he's going for it. They 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 know what they want to do. Yeah.
4: And I think these are things that he could probably do with executive orders and which he will absolutely try to do with executive orders. He wants to. I mean, it seems like a throwaway item in the list of things that he wants to do as far as this presidential power grab, this expansion of the executive uh, presidency uh, or the imperial presidency, I should say. Yes. One of the things is the FCC. He wants to bring the FCC under direct control of the president. Yeah, that is everything. That's the entire ball game. John.
1: Think about that in a modern that's every, era. That's the where, whole First Amendment.
4: Yeah, well, it's it's the internet and it's broadcast and it's streaming and everything else that gets regulated to some extent by the FCC, and that under the control of a Donald Trump to White House, it would be an utter nightmare. I mean, that would be the end of it because then he could absolutely control the message. He could punish anyone uh, who is delivering a message contrary to his, which he'll yeah. do anyway. I mean, we know for a fact. I mean, this is what one of the things that drives me crazy is uh, members of the press who seem to think, well, you know what? If Donald Trump gets in again, ratings through the roof, downloads through the roof, that'll be great for us. You know what? They're the first people he's going to come for. <laughs> he's going to arrest. You're right. first People he's going to arrest. First people He's going to lock up is the enemy of the people. I mean, why yeah. wouldn't he?
1: And he's so, been very I mean, specific about who he considers that, he, that to be. You're right. You're right. Oh yeah.
4: Well, he needs some horrifying. of them, but so he'll leave some of them in place. But most of them, yeah. I I think we 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 underestimate the odds of something like that happening at our own risk because yeah, yeah it, it's going to be bad. I, I think it's going to be uh, one of those things that we can't even predict. That's how bad uh. it's going to be.
1: Bob, um, <laughs> he's never going to be president again. So I'm just going to go on the. I'm just going to go on a limb and say, you know what? Let's just do this pantomime for a year and a half, and they're going to get that old man elected again. Um, yeah. But before I let you go, uh, <laughs> any <laughs> last thoughts on the uh, late lamented campaign and career of friend of the show, Robert Kennedy Jr.? He was a fine man in so many ways. I admired his environmental work. A great broadcaster. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a question of can you win more Democrats. He he's he's lost the Kennedy family at this point.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, God, I couldn't believe it. I mean, Marianne Williamson went after him. I mean, no surprise, she's running against him to an extent in the Democratic, the quote unquote Democratic primary challenger. She's one of them. So, of course, she's going to say something about uh, uh, RFK Jr. But it was laughable to me uh, over the past. I forget exactly what day it was, but he tweeted some big reaction to these accusations and these truthful accusations that he was being anti-Semitic about COVID saying that, oh, yeah, well, they engineered it to uh, to not infect Jewish people and Chinese people, which is hilarious on its face, given the death toll in China alone. But I mean, that aside, we're talking about anti-Semitism here and, and the people the the people he targeted with that statement heard it loud and clear. Right. So, <laughs> that's the thing. And so once his reaction to that got out, once he tweeted about it, he said, "Oh yeah, you know what? All these people are trying to discredit me." Well, I'm looking at that, I'm going, wasn't he discredited about vaccines like 15 years ago? I mean, I yeah. remember RFK Jr. going after vaccines and and connecting it to Autism, and that was all too. around 2008, 2007, he started, 2007. He, Well, he
1: says, yeah, yeah, I mean, but he says it began like in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. But that's when they reclassified the umbrella of autism and autism spectrum disorder. So there were many more diagnoses at the time oh, yes. because of the classification. RFK is saying there were many more at the time because they got the shot. And of course, he got the shot himself. He got the damn yeah. shot. He got the COVID shot for his Christmas party. Yes, he did. And so I I remember around that time,
4: around the Great Recession, somewhere in there, that's when everyone was like, "Okay, we're going to stop paying attention to RFK Jr. When it comes to vaccines, it was over for him. And because of the level of disinformation and bro libertarianism and all the rest of it that we see in podcasts and social media, et cetera, he's having this resurgence where they're like, you know, again, it's the short attention span, the short term memory issues of the American people. Yeah. (laughs) Coming home to roost once again. Oh, this guy. (laughs) Oh, what's he saying? Oh, vaccines are bad and they make us sick. Oh, I guess he has something to say, so let's pay attention to him again. Completely forgetting what happened,
1: whatever it was, uh, 15 years ago. Yeah, and I had to point out this week, Bob, you know what? There really is a conspiracy between the Chinese and the Jews, and it's called Restaurants on Christmas Day. That's it. That's as deep as it gets. Seska, how do we follow you and keep up with all your work?
4: Uh, You can uh, follow the Trek Politics podcast at trekpolitics.com. Uh, and everywhere you get your podcasts, the same with Bob Seska Show, which I host because my name is Bob Seska. That's at <laughs> Thank you. dot com, Bob dot com.
1: Yeah, you nepo baby. Thanks for being with us, Bob. We'll see you next time. Nice Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Sirius XM Progress.
0: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you.
1: Welcome back to Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugel saying we're talking about today's hearings into Hunter Biden. You're like, wait, didn't Hunter Biden plead guilty last month? Why are they still here? I know. I know. But the Republican Party doesn't have an agenda. Here's Representative James Comer at today's continuing deep dive into Hunter, calling the Biden family uh, an influence peddling scheme.
5: What were the Biden selling? Nothing but influence and access to the Biden network. This is an influence-peddling scheme to enrich the Bidens. We need to know whether Joe Biden is compromised by these schemes and if our national security is threatened. We need to know whether. During our investigation, our committee became aware through whistleblower disclosures provided to Senator Chuck Grassley that the FBI had an unclassified record that details an extortion and bribery scheme involving then-Vice President Biden and a Barisma executive.
1: There, okay. This Chris. We can stop playing it. So trust- this is Comer talking. There's no evidence of anything he's talking about. They say this Fox News broadcasts it. It's exactly what they did to the Clintons. Exactly what they did to the Obamas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it was it was it got more interesting than that. Let's let's move on. Um, here is uh, IRS whistleblower Joseph Ziegler. Again, saying he believes the story needs a special counsel, a four.
6: I still think that a special counsel is necessary for this investigation um, to further handle ancillary investigations that are spun off and relate to Hunter Biden, but may not have venue in Delaware.
1: Okay, so he's talking about U.S. Attorney David Weiss and how he should have been able to appoint a special prosecutor. David Weiss is the U.S. attorney who was appointed by Trump to be the prosecutor going after Hunter Biden. And what's interesting, and you won't hear this on Fox News, but um, David Weiss testified to Congress and said that he was granted ultimate authority over where, when and whether to file charges in the Hunter Biden case. And he just blew up literally, literally, they brought in two guys to testify whose own boss destroyed their testimony. And Weiss also said that uh, Mr. Shapley's allegation that he was trying to get special counsel status and turned down the clip we just played. Uh, Merrick Garland has said that's not true. And today, Donald Trump's own appointed prosecutor said that's not true. He never tried to get a special counsel. So, uh, you know, again, it's like, how much outrage can they generate? How many more nickels can they squeeze out of outrage over Hunter Biden, you ask? Well, here's Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, this is radio, so you can't see what she's doing, but she is holding up photos of a naked Hunter Biden having sex with a give, give a listen
6: uh, Mr. Chairman,
0: of, of Hunter Biden Mr. Chairman, making sex. Excuse me. This is my time. Um, making okay. pornography. Yeah, right.
5: Should we be displaying Mr. this, Mr. Chairman, D- 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 in D- the committee? The D- D- lady's time expired and uh, went two and a half minutes Mr. over. Mr. Mufume wants the two and a half minutes. He can have it if, if he wants to yield some to Ms. Ocasio-Cortez when she goes. She can have it.
1: Okay, Mr. Mufume's comments we're going to play in a second. But can I just point this out? Turns out Marjorie Taylor Greene just broke a law in the District of Columbia. The revenge porn ordinance when she shared Hunter Biden's naked pictures on TV In the House of Representatives. Let me quote it. A third party who comes into possession of the sexual image and who publishes it, i.e. shares it with six or more people, can be charged with second-degree, unlawful publication of a sexual image. Misdemeanor punishable by up to 180 days in jail and or a fine of $1,000. Folks, folks, I think I speak for all of us when I say, lock her up. Here's Kawesi Mifumi. Congressman, former director of the NAACP, uh, Congressman Mifumi has had it.
6: And we could be, quite frankly, using our time to better talk about crime in America that's affecting everybody, attacks on women's health, the economy, budgetary issues, public education, housing, the need for senior citizens to be able to pay for prescription drugs, child poverty and mental health, to name a few. And yet we are doing this all over again for the Hunter Biden show to someone who has pleaded guilty and has taken responsibility for not filing taxes for two years. This is ludicrous. Beam me up, Scotty. There's no intelligent life down here. None.
1: (laughs) <laughs> it was that kind of hearing. And again, this is the latest. This is the latest. You do to understand there's been so many Hunter Biden whistleblowers, right? Rudy Giuliani had his Barisma whistleblower. Uh, who She was married to the co-owner who inherited the evidence and she never existed. Probably uh, never showed up. Jim Jordan had his FBI whistleblowers. Garrett O'Boyle, Stephen Friend and George Hill, all of whom were paid to testify, which means they're not actually whistleblowers. James Comer. Had his miss- missing whistleblower, that was Dr. Gal Luft, the accused arms dealer. Remember him last week, that big explosion? <laughs> let's, uh, let's give a quick listen. Here's, um, this is right now Congressman uh, Garcia on last week's non-existent whistleblower.
6: Next, what's next in the switch, Hunt? This man, Gal Luft, the Republicans were so desperate just last week to find someone who could tell them what they wanted to hear that they promoted and collaborated with a Chinese spy trying to influence U.S. policy while selling weapons to Iran and Libya. So why is the so-called whistleblower missing? We don't know. Skip this bail, being searched upon after being arrested. Now we're so desperate to cling to this narrative that they're defending this alleged crook.
1: And then James Comer had his own Burisma whistleblower, uh, the owner, Mykola Zlochevsky. Uh, But no one's heard from Zlochevsky in three years or knows where he is. So, yeah, uh, there's nothing. That all led up to today's big IRS whistleblowers, both of whom gave very compelling testimony that went up against what their boss appointed by Trump to be the lead investigator into the Hunter Biden case has already testified. David Weiss got fed up with their nonsense. He put out a public statement today saying it wasn't true. All of their whistleblowers have blown up because there's nothing here. They've got nothing against Hunter Biden, and they know it. It's Benghazi all over again. They are selling outrage and nothing else. All they have the ability to do is make non-millionaires angry. They sell anger to the non-millionaires and give tax breaks and pollution allowances for the millionaires. Here's our friend Jamie Raskin on all these ridiculous attempts to cook up scandals against this White House A3.
6: At today's hearing, we're going to hear about wrongdoing by Hunter Biden, who's pleading guilty on two tax charges and a gun charge next week. We'll hear about the back and forth among investigators, prosecutors, and a Trump-appointed U.S. attorney, over a dozen people who spent four years investigating the president's son. We'll hear about how they disagreed on investigative steps and what criminal charges to bring, all normal stuff uh, in government investigations that uh, doesn't usually lead to a congressional hearing. But one thing you will not hear today is any evidence of wrongdoing by President Joe Biden or his administration. Like every other try by our colleagues to concoct a scandal about President Biden, this one is a complete and total bust. In fact, the ongoing case that the majority invites us to interfere with today is actually a striking illustration of the success of the American system of independent prosecutors operating under the rule of law and outside the realm of the kind of political influence my colleagues are trying to exercise today.
1: Boom. We'll to go back to the phones. We're at 866-997-4748. I actually had to sift through all that Hunter Biden bullshit and learn it for a day to find out how it's all bullshit and it will all be forgotten tomorrow. All of these Republican scandals are like Buddhist sand paintings and the wind will take them away. That's Dean in LA. Thanks for waiting on hold. You're on progress.
7: Hey, uh, hey. good evening, sir. Wait, good we're, evening, we're, sir. I made Mr. caller watch to say a thing here for you. <laughs> what, what okay. is up with all you're, you're mad and you don't have a right to be. No, sorry. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I I got to mention on this. When it comes to this I, I watched the hearing. Believe it or not, they showed it on Fox. It was perfect.
1: Yeah. Yeah, what do you it know? Was a
7: perfect hearing. It mm-hmm. was um delightfully uh I don't know, deplorable, I think is a good word, but um <laughs> dare I say deplorable. The uh I, I must mention though, if it weren't for the two it looks like a couple of uh Justice Kavanaugh's fraternity brothers Oh, I'm getting fireworks next to you, uh, oh. uh, making clown faces, <laughs> it would have been really boring. <laughs> but, oh my god i have a clip i will email it to you i i clipped that and uh, uh nevertheless
1: i'm sure fox uh, news covered it as diligently as they didn't cover the january 6th hearings
7: oh perfectly they they cut away and would talk all about see how much this shows how biden really was part of some immense crime family mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know what i really was waiting for and so glad to hear reps ocasio cortez and brown and a couple others uh drove home a point, which was, let's just consider this whole argument about the two-tiered justice system. I think we know where the two tiers are. Because if you look at if it's an offspring of a Republican president, like Donald mm-hmm. Trump, you know, Ivanka has dozens of patents and copyrights she gets from China. She is now making upwards of like $10 million each year off the royalties on those. Mm. Not to mention that little tiny... billion uh, payoff to Uh Jared Kushner. Oh, yeah. And do we have any hearings about those things? Have these IRS guys, do you think they've been asked to check in
1: on these? But again, I'm sorry, but that's on the Democrats. Wouldn't you agree... Dean, I mean, where's the hearings on on Jamal Khashoggi? Where's the hearings on Donald Trump bragging to Bob Woodward? I saved his ass about Prince MBS after the saw murder. I mean, uh, Republicans aren't never going to care about that. You know, where where are Democrats calling for hearings about all the patents Ivanka Trump was given by the Chinese while her father served? And the fact that her father had a secret Chinese bank account while he was the American president. I'm sorry, but (laughs) I I, I root for these Democrats. But when it comes to bringing the fight to the other side, they're walking around in clown shoes.
7: Well, I, I love that she was putting it right in their face and saying, yeah. you know, you want to, the, the main issue they were trying to get at, I heard, was this was obviously slow-walked. They were slow-walking this, even yes. as a vice president, you know, because that's when this all began, Yeah, going back to 2014. Never yeah, mind that the Burisma, They were They had to clean house and get rid of, you know, there were corrupt people running barisma. And they said, we, we well, yeah. need your help. That's why they were looking to the West to assist mm-hmm. them in cleaning house so they could actually be a legit
1: corporation. Well, and yeah. And again, with the attorney, with, with, with the prosecutor of Ukraine as well, who was pay. fired because he wasn't going after corrupt people enough. But they're trying, you know, the no. whole thing and how they're trying to steer. And again, oh. you know, like there was nothing there. There's there's nothing there. So nope. I say, go ahead, keep on investigating Hunter Biden. This is all they've got. There's no one who's going to there's no one who's who's going to vote Republican because of hunter biden right like this is just getting people who are already going to vote this way to still vote this way that's all Correct. they are managing to achieve with these hearings
7: and they will use it in their you know they'll just blissfully ignore what uh, any of the yeah. facts behind it and just act like no we're gonna delve a little deeper now uh, exactly right but, you know if anything i hope that uh justice kavanaugh's frat brothers show up again
1: I I hope Hunter Biden sues Marjorie Taylor Greene. I got to run, Dean, but I thank you very much for the call. (laughs) Pleasure to hear from you. Appreciate it. 866-997-4748. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is progress.
5: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It
4: doesn't get any better than this.
1: It's Sirius XM. We are at 866 Really quick from the White House press room today. Here's Karine Jean-Pierre telling the press corps that the United States is committed somehow to seeing that dude, Travis King, the soldier who was in trouble in South Korea. So he walked into North Korea. We're, we're trying to get him back.
3: I want to be very clear that uh, the administration has and will uh, continue to actively work, actively work to ensure his safety and the return of uh, uh, of Private King uh, to us and to the fam to his family, obviously. Uh, so that includes what we're doing is outreach to the administration of Sweden and also South uh, the South Korea as well on this matter. The Department of Defense, as I mentioned yesterday, is in uh, is has been engaged and having communications with its counterparts, the KPA, on the well-being of private king again uh, we're working to ascertain all the facts all the information that we can and as soon as we have more to share we certainly will uh, but our primary primary goal is to uh, make sure that we uh, uh, ascertain his well-being get a sense of how he's doing but also
1: clearly uh, we are committed to bringing him home let's get back to the phones mark in wisconsin you've been so patient thank you so much welcome
8: not a problem brother it's, it's kind of ironic i've been reading uh Thomas Cahill's Hinges of History's book and uh it's interesting cuz he goes a lot into the Bible and the last one I got is uh, Heretics and Heroes that uh, talking about the reformation and all that but what kind of keyed it into my mind is that I saw an op-ed by Wisconsin 8th's, uh congressman uh Gallagher who was saying that in China apparently they're rewriting the Bible certain passages of it to uh, make it in conformance with uh with the, with the message they want to um put forward, and that's not, nothing new for authoritarians that, uh, to do that kind of thing. Apparently, they're changing No, the, we um, do it here.
1: The, 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 the Chinese Communist Party is doing it. They're on a 10-year project. It's not just the Bible. They're rewriting all kinds of religious yeah, texts. the Koran and, and, and
8: the, the yeah. Hindu scriptures and, and Buddhist scriptures, I imagine. But apparently the one that so really offensive,
1: got, America did it first. <laughs>
8: and, and, and other countries have done it as well. I mean, throughout the ages, I mean, that, it used to be a crime to commit uh, to a change, uh, to translate the... Uh, Bible from Latin into English, I guess and Mary that's Old right. England, so that kind of got me, but the one that got me is that the whole thing for the uh, when the adulteress appeared before Jesus and he showed mercy in the Chinese and apparently in the new Chinese version, no mercy is shown that Jesus is the one who throws the first stone.
1: are you and joking? Are you making this up? That is literally no, the a, core a, of jesus 's ministry.
8: That's apparently what uh, thats what Gallagher reported. Now, I don't know if that's true or not.
1: Wow. Well,
8: I, can I just you, say I'm it,
1: comforted? It, I'm, I'm so comforted knowing that authoritarian right-wing Chinese are as disgustingly averse to what's in the Bible as right-wing <laughs> American Christians. It's just—that's that's vulgar. Is,
8: is that, you know, that, and the whole purpose of freedom of religion and from religion in this country dates back to two men that were religious in their own ways, but you know, James Madison, who was, who was quite religious— Thomas yep. Jefferson was deist rather than that. But Madison, I think, from what I've read didn't want government interfering with religion and Jefferson no, no. didn't want religion interfering with government. And apparently that's
1: but of course that
8: message is lost on, on the, the current right wing these days
1: yeah well, that's the that, because because church and state is the ultimate rhesus cup for the right wing. Hey, you got your church in my state. you got your state in my church. tastes great. I don't like how it tastes. Shut up. That's what they want. And again, like this could ha- th- this is this is the ultimate goal of, of theocracy, but what China's doing is even more insidious because China's not trying to be a theocracy. They're just trying to get people to obey and have, rewriting all the religions. but I mean, it's happened here think about how much how much racism was caused, because in the 1800s they decided to start putting a blonde, blue-eyed Jesus in illustrations in the Bibles people got. And let's not forget, Thomas Jefferson himself literally rewrote the Bible and took out all the divinity of Christ, everything he couldn't prove, all the, all the miracles, just Jesus' teachings. I own it. It's really great. It's worth a read. But, you know, I mean, rewriting the Bible, n- not a new idea. It's sort of been done nonstop since before King James did it.
8: And again, it, it's just bears in mind that, of course, that uh, earlier in, in this nation's history, slaves were forbidden to read. There's laws passed in the, in the good old South because they didn't want the, the, the slaves reading the Bible on their own. The whole thing of liberation... It's, that's found in, in Exodus. Um, that's right. That, uh, exactly. They didn't. They didn't want uh, people learning about that. It was illegal to send prohibition abolitionist literature to people in the South at certain points of time. You know, complete violation of freedom of speech. I mean, yeah. and freedom of the, the freedom of the press is um, you know part and parcel of this as well. I mean, that, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I mean, it's just. Uh, it just fascinated me to hear him say that, and, and I just—what got me is I'm not sure if it's true or not that there's that particular that particular thing, but I mean the fact that he is blissfully unaware, or probably completely aware of, that religion has been used so many times by authoritarians you know, Yeah, from, I know. I think Henry VIII and uh, and Oliver Cromwell, and uh, throughout history, and but the founders were aware because it was within their family histories sometimes religious oppression in, in the New England colonies. I mean, people are driven out of, of for, for various, um, various crimes against the, the established religion in the colony. They're either, they're either flogged out of the colony or driven out of the colony and going into exile. But mm-hmm. Ann Anne Hutchinson, Roger Williams, I mean, that uh, those are just two of the names I remember from back in high school, history class. I mean, like right, but
1: you're it. exactly right that, but all throughout history, the authoritarian's who are fighting against the teachings of their religions have to use religion to keep the people in line. It always happens. I mean, Hitler. You know, the the Nazis literally had belt buckles that said "God is with us." Like, and, and Machiavelli, just, Machiavelli believed that it was crucial, crucial to have public morality to be a ruler.
8: And, and it's just, uh, and it was the authoritarian's in in. Jerusalem that, that executed Christ, I yeah. mean, the, the, the religious, oh. you know, religious zealots in the, in, the, in the Jewish faith of the time, you know, that, that didn't like the fact what he was teaching. I mean, that,
1: Right, uh, but let's let's be, it wasn't the Jewish people who actually killed him, right? No, I it mean, was
8: Romans had the Romans that had the secular authority to do it, yeah. but apparently, you know, if, if given, given, uh, given Pilate any kind of credit at all, he said, I don't really want to do this, and he washed his hands of it, but I mean, that...
1: Yeah, well, let's just say the, the Holy Roman Empire, when they got the right to do their rewrites, bent over backwards to make Pontius Pilate look like such a nice, loving guy who really didn't want to. I remember doing the Stations at the Cross and hearing, oh, the Romans felt so bad that these Jews are forcing us to do it. It's insidious. The truth of the Jesus story, if you want to know, which no one talks about, but the point of that whole story, because it is a story and it has a point, which is that everyone kills him. Everyone kills him. The cops, the soldiers, the conservative religious bosses, the government. His friends sell him out. His best friend pretends he doesn't know him because he's so scared. Everyone sells Jesus out, and Jesus forgives them all anyway after he's murdered. That's the the point of the story. It's profoundly about forgiveness.
8: And the women were the ones who
1: stood by him the whole time. The the women women are the only ones. There's three women that went everywhere with Jesus and the Twelve. But the men who wrote the Bible said it wasn't 15 apostles, it's 12 apostles, three groupies. But the women were the ones who didn't abandon him. And the women were the first ones he appears to when he comes back in the story, whether you believe it as fact or not. This is the story. And because the women had so much power, the early church fathers knew they had to rewrite that, turn Mary Magdalene into a prostitute, which she's not called in the book, and make women second class citizens unfit to hold the priesthood. No knob, no job.
8: And I always thought, it's gone into my head, that if, if Mary, a woman was, was good enough to bear the, the, son of, the Son of God into this world, bear that Son, I mean, shouldn't that wash away the whole... It, if, if it was Eve's fault in the first place, shouldn't that wash away you know, the, the guilt that women are still supposed to
1: feel? Yeah, you should, but insane. women shouldn't feel any guilt. Like, literally, people no. are walking around saying that they believe in Genesis as literal fact. These people haven't read the book of Gen. If you're saying, I believe in the Garden of Eden story as literal what you're saying is that you literally believe that painful childbirth and monthly menstruation are God's punishment to all women because Eve believed a talking snake to this day like that's why women have painful childbirth. it's punishment for what she did so much of the Bible is so beautiful and so much of it is the gospel according to Ike Turner designed to make women hate themselves and feel shame for their bodies and shame for things that happened before they were born it's how you control populations and it works
8: yeah we're not uh, that, um, we're not tainted under our constitution and I don't think God intends us to be tainted tainted either for that's the crimes a... of our,
1: our forebearers I agree. Mark, what a pleasure. I thank you so But But Thanks, again, brother. not tainted by the crimes of our forebears, but we have a responsibility to be better Correct. than our ancestors. And we also have a responsibility to call out the sins of our forebears, something our uh, Confederate flag-waving friends should ponder about sometime. Thank you so much, Mark.
8: Thanks a lot, brother.